to create designation. That's right. Um, uh, our, our talk today is it's not the great resignation, it's the great reappraisal. Um, how the best companies are leveraging high tech and high touch to retain employees and minimize turnover. Anissa, thank you. <laughs> hey, I always love to do these dramatic introductions and I love how you matched me there. <laughs> that was good, good, good. I don't know if I can match your, your, your introduction, but I'm excited to be here. No, no, thank you, Anissa. We are all pumped to have you join us. Anissa is one of the most prominent people when it comes to the entire industry of HR, and we are delighted. We are a uh, organization that uses high tech and high touch for people development. So from our scalable coaching technology to our employee experience platform to scalable um, results uh, oriented coaching, training, and organizational development. Um, we have a team of experts, about a thousand of us uh, around the U.S. and Key Hub globally and Key Hubs globally. So um, we're, we've been in business since 2004. So uh, we've evolved over the years and now we're serving clients who are dealing with this uh, very real and very big issue um, related to resignation, the great resignation, as so many are calling it. Cool, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Anissa. And it's, it's actually scary when you think about it, because as it is, there's already so much commotion chaos that we're dealing with on this earth. And all of a sudden, we're thrown into this new one. And everyone's talking about this great resignation, which we're terming as the great appraisal. So what is your overall take on what's really happening, Anissa? So I had some personal opinions when it first started happening. And, and I started putting my feelers out to clients and some of uh, the subject matter experts that, are, uh, that we work with on a regular basis. Um, and some of the CEOs that I still personally myself even work with on strategy and, and what have you. And what it came down to is initially there was this perception that people were getting paid to stay at home. And so um, the lazy folks, you know, are just not wanting to work because, you know, the government's paying this. But on closer inspection, that's just not really the, the, the bigger issue is um, through the pandemic and through the economic changes that we've been going through, more and more people um, are realizing that the conversation that they've been having with themselves for years about quality of life, feeling appreciated at work, um, working somewhere where they know that the work that they do is meaningful, making a difference, adding value, um, something that they can look back and say, I'm proud to have been associated with this. And working with peers and coworkers who are respectful. So a compassionate, respectful uh, culture where, where a person can bring forth what they do best. And so what happened during this time of reflection, um, folks are going, hang on, you don't treat me right. You don't, I, I don't get the, the recognition. Um, people don't really understand my value. And you want me to work through the pandemic. You're not really making my personal safety a priority. Um, I don't have time for my family. Let me take a pause. And so 
you combine that with the fact that there are more opportunities with companies who put cultural values at the top of their priority list, who put um, work-life balance and flexible schedule and hybrid work from home, work from the office, uh, flexibility and even uh, uh, optional right choices. Those individuals, particularly if we're talking about our high value, high performance intellectual um, workers, right, our, uh, our premium folks, they're taking a reassessment and, and they have options and they don't have to continue working for a company who hasn't trained their managers to simply be more respectful, for example, at, at scale or who aren't listening to the employees when they say there's an issue coming up and we told them and told them and told them it was coming up and nobody's listening to us or taking our feedback um, and doing something with it. So when you combine all that together, it's simply um, logical that there was going to be a tipping point. And that tipping point is now, what do I want out of my career? And can I actually get it at my current employer? Love that. Love that. So the, the whole idea, so we all talk about how the pandemic has been the great shifter in digital revolution. However, it's clearly also helped us reassess and reflect. It's also fast track that, hasn't it? It really has. And, and I know that for my organization, you know, when we first started it in 2020, um, what is often the, the budget that gets cut during difficult times? Learning and development. And that was our primary book of business. But I'd been knowing for four, five, six years that we needed to move towards combining greater technology and greater data with targeted learning and development. And we just hadn't had the time to put the pieces together. So during this time of reflection, we now had the time between um, when the pandemic first started and here we are in January, 2022, um, we've uh, developed a multitude of technological solutions that will allow us to, to better target solutions so that companies can scale coaching at the right fee um, at the right level. Not one size fits all. Your CEOs and your executives are, cannot be coached by the same individual that could coach, for example, a frontline supervisor effectively. Um, but, but likewise, we don't want our CEO level coaches. Um, we're not going to be able to afford them if we want to coach uh, a high performer at a different level. And so that our technology now, for example, saw what's going on in the marketplace and said, companies need a better way to engage their employees. If they're going to retain employees, every employee has to feel like they matter and they value. But we can't afford, as companies, myself included, we can't afford to provide one-on-one -on -one coaching at scale for all employees. But what we can do is look and see how can we listen better to our employees. And, you know, Survey Sparrow is a perfect example. Surveying your employees, listening to that data, then responding to that data is an essential piece of it. I'm going to pause there so you can accentuate that as well. <laughs> oh, yes, I love that. <laughs> However, talking more on that, Anissa, and on this whole piece, so I could completely relate to that because I'm this person who's incredibly thirsty and the whole idea of feeling satisfied and learning something from what I'm doing and my workplace is an incredibly critical and crucial piece 
of of my career and me as a person so when we had all these courses i would always opt for them and hey right here what we are doing i pounced at the opportunity to have the to have this engagement with you and the opportunity to talk to you because i knew i was going to learn a bunch of things just from this conversation of ours so how important is the whole idea of learning and coaching when it comes to retaining and is that a way that we can look at combating this whole resignation thing which is happening now it is um some of our clients um have have experienced significant results over the years with coaching on average when a leader receives coaching um the the ROI is all over the place in the studies but it's as much as 600 times what the investment is at that executive level in some cases but what the challenge has been is that it's just simply not affordable at the other levels right and so the coaching has been somewhat reserved for just those upper executives maybe your high performer that's earmarked for next level assignments but then it stops there and and when it comes to attracting top talent or retaining your top talent if if that talent doesn't make it into worthy of this kind of investment then they're going to be looking for their next career assignment and that's one of the things that's happening so some of our clients right now are saying i am not interested in spending this you know multiple figure uh engagement for coaching but how can we maximize or leverage the power of coaching deeper in our organization and by doing that they're not they are the folks that are on the ground that are saying you know i wonder if the grass is greener over there i've got more career development opportunities um i can actually get a coach and have someone help me along my career path so organizations that are now thinking ahead and saying this is a benefit that we want to offer but how can we do it at a price point that makes sense and so working with companies like ours um that it's actually possible right we we you leverage like i was mentioning earlier the the c level and the executive level st strategically focused coaches but we also have a team of coaches that are equally certified and qualified many of which have advanced degrees um they go through a very rigorous uh vetting process in, in their skills and their credentials um but we purchase their unbilled hours and what that means is we're able to 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 pass on the savings to our customers for example which means more and more companies can offer coaching as a benefit to working for your organization and that is very attractive i can't remember the number off the top of my head but it is very attractive to high performers and and your intellectual workers because other other companies are already offering it built into their package and now when companies are bringing it in they're they're going to be more likely and that's just one of the ways i, I hope we get to talk about it. they're going to be more likely to retain those high performers by making sure that they offer them career development opportunities that go beyond hey we've got an e-learning course they're looking for some one-on-one -on -one support to get where they want to go interesting of course you can't just roll out an org wide course saying hey here's your login credentials go for it Yeah that would be lovely. I I'll, I'm the first person to tell you if I could just throw a book at someone and say you'll be great if you just read that book, you know, we we would all be more successful. It's just not how we work as humans. <laughs> I'm with you on that. And also to that Anissa, we 
So how different does this pan out? I'm sure that we had a lot of offline classroom coaching sessions, all these round tables with the execs, and now everything is virtual. Are you seeing that as a pro or a con, or is it a, a mixture of both? How are you seeing this? So if we're talking about whether or not that is um, feeding some of the reasons that employees are leaving their companies or the great resignation, it is. So let me, let me start there. Um, if I'm now working virtual and I'm a, a person that needs direction, needs social engagement, needs human interaction, um, and, and that's not everyone, but it is a large percentage of us as humans. We, we need communication and FaceTime with people that we need to have a connection with in order to drive results together. Um, and many organizations are not adapting well to the virtual environment. They show up, they have meetings, then they leave. They show up, they have another meeting, and then they leave. And what's missing is that table talk, conversation in the hallway, you know, the water cooler conversation where people are sharing about their kids and their passions and their dreams and their, you know, their running medals or, you know, whatever it is that's going on for a person's life, their new children or grandchildren. And, and I, d I don't think companies understand how important it is to develop new strategies for human connection at all levels of the organization. It's also really important for an organization to use data to pre-identify who is about to exit. And, and we use, for example, a um, organizational network analysis. It's a fantastic technology that allows us to see who are your champions inside the organization that, that a large percentage of people will go to for information, for acknowledgement, for support or help. Those people, if everyone's going to them, are going to get burned out because they don't feel valued, they feel taken advantage of. Um, in some cases, they feel important, but, but at some point, they're like, this is too much. I can't be the only person bearing this weight, right? So we want to we want to make sure we keep those folks around <laughs> and, and, and support them in maintaining those relationships. The second thing we want to do is identify those people who feel like they're on the outskirts, those folks who feel isolated. And, and we can see how many of your folks do not have someone they go to when they have a challenge. Um, and we can help close gaps during onboarding so that, because that happens a lot. Someone feels very isolated in this virtual environment. And within 90 days, if a company isn't seeing the, the need for a relationship, the need for connection, and they don't close that gap, as soon as you get someone onboarded, companies are super excited only to find out they're just leaving. Um, and the reason they're leaving is because of lack of human connection. But if we can target that in advance, then we can uh, uh, target a solution, which looks like more communication, leveraging you know, the survey technology to figure out what, what's it going to take to keep you here? Are you satisfied? How, is, how, how are your management team? Do you feel included, uh, et cetera, and et cetera, and then target the coaching or the training or the communications to those specific issues. Now we've got a real solution for, for retaining employees. Right, love how you mentioned that 90 day thing because every company, every business looks at making sure that the customer has found value in the product in 90 days. 
We talk about the 30, 60, 90 day action plan saying, has it been implemented? Is there product adoption? And I love how you mentioned saying, this is how companies should be looking at employee experience as well. In 90 days, are they becoming one with the, are they feeling comfortable with the place they work? I love that 90 day idea. I love that too. And that same concept, you know, uh, some HR folks are using that with, with their new hires. Um, and, I, and I think it's really important to have a 90 day onboarding program that just frankly makes your new hire love the company, right? Support them, nurture them, um, uh, bring them along to respect, feeling respected and appreciated and valued, feeling supported, but also falling in love with the company and the mission and the vision, right? But I think we miss the, when we identify an employee that's unsatisfied, most companies don't know what to do with that other than say, so-and-so is, is unsatisfied. How do we let them know we want to keep them? So, you know, someone higher up may take them to lunch. Someone else will reach out and say, hey, we just want you to know you're valued. Um, at this moment, we don't have... Uh, uh, we just want you to know we want to keep you. Um, some other companies will be like, just throw money at them, right? And sometimes those strategies work, but they are oftentimes one-off and piecemeal. And that same 90-day approach, even if it's secret to just the HR person and their manager, needs to be taken with any employee that a company determines they meet our criteria for high performance, they are very valuable and we want to retain them. Their position is valuable. Their knowledge is valuable. Um, the loss would be very difficult. It would cost us a lot if we lost this person. You identify those and then you create a 90-day plan of engaging with them, listening with them, shoring up the relationship. No money at them. <laughs> no money at them. <laughs> let, 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 let's, let's touch on that a little, Anissa, because that's also so... For a lot of people, them leaving for the right reasons, it makes a lot of sense. However, the market is fluctuating crazy because everything is starting to get back and there's funding being pumped in on every industry and vertical. So, and all these budgets are slowly starting to get released. And a lot of that is being put into talent acquisition. And we're seeing such inflated packages and people just throwing around these packages and money as, as we spoke of. So what, what are the repercussions of this, both for the company and for the employee? Because it sounds fancy. It looks fancy. But as you mentioned, these are one-off and piecemeal ways, ways of just duct taping the situation. What are the repercussions of this? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really great, great question. And, and, and the bottom line is, if a company has a gap, in a, a critical position, they need to fill that gap. And if you want um, uh, the best, you have to have a, com a compensation strategy and a benefit strategy um, that is comparable, comparable, excuse me, comparable <laughs> to uh, other organizations that they may be courting, right? It's, that's, it's an important piece of it, and I don't want to downplay that. But what I'm also seeing is some companies who are putting together these crazy packages but they're not necessarily vetting the, the employee at the level to whether or not they actually deserve that package. And so a certain, and I think to a certain degree, our, our HR leaders know that there's going to be a certain number of gambles 
that we're just we just need someone to fill the position. This person checks all the boxes. Let's get them in and see how they do. Well, the challenge with that is now you've got this big package, um, and and you don't necessarily have a performer that meets the value of that package, so to speak. So what I would encourage companies to do is, uh, well, you asked what were the repercussions of that? A lot of disappointment, turnover um, at that level, um, some of which is going to be involuntary because at some point the cost of a poor hire is just extraordinary. It is much bigger than some, in some cases than the cost of, a, of an open position, for example. Um, however, I do think that there are some very strategic approaches that organizations can take to more proactively um, match an employee or a potential hire to the position to ensure that they actually have the skill set, the mindset, the personality, and the competencies to perform at that level. And I think all too often, folk, uh, companies are skipping that analysis phase. Um, we have a, a, a pretty amazing pre-hire assessment that pulls from, I don't know the, the number anymore, it's like 10,000 um, uh, benchmarks on what's it going to take to do different jobs. So um, that particular assessment will tell a person how likely is their personality to be a fit for whatever it is, sales manager or receptionist. And if we hire someone whose personality is uh, reclusive and they don't, they really prefer technology to relationships, let's not put them in a receptionist position, even if they want the job, right? Let's find another position for them. And I know that's not the big compensation package, but the point being companies are so ready to fill positions, they are not doing the due diligence because will this person be successful and do they warrant this level of package? So that's um, one gap that I see uh, companies having. The second piece is at some point there's a reckoning, right? When you pump up the, the, the compensation packages so much that you're top heavy, now where is your money, right? Where is the budget for more sustainable solutions such as employee experience, employee engagement, um, uh, conversations with your employees at scale, coaching, better benefits, um, uh, better work-life balance, uh, health and wellness programs. So you get the idea, the, con the conversation is, we just need someone now pump up the volume up, uh, on the compensation. Now you have literally sacrificed, sacrificed the long game because we don't have the budget to do something more sustainable. And that's a pretty big issue. Right, right. A bunch of really interesting topics that you covered in there, in which, hey, fine, it, it's not just our duty to fill up a role, but it's also our responsibility to make sure that that candidate will be able to grow in that role. Really interesting. That's right. And also, Anissa, Another, is, is this also true in which, so let's say you're, you're, you're offering 10%, 20% of our market standard. That's great. That's something which will really help you attract the top talent. But let's say you're shooting for 50, 60% above market, market average. This is when things get tricky, don't they? This is the inflated package we spoke of. But what also happens here is if that role does not fit, let's say the candidate is not a fit or they're not, they're not producing or are 
are attuned to that role now the candidate will also find it hard to find another job at that pay scale so they're going to have to take a cut they might not even find a job because they're at that pay isn't that also true yeah it's absolutely true and it happens all the time and from the candidate's perspective um what i find is they don't always take into account that they had an nfl shot right that was their pay uh, as a superstar uh, in the works right and the truth is is that an nfl player may play one or two seasons you know not all of them are going to get the decade long opportunity right and and that's the same situation here it it is it is nothing to be ashamed of when a, when an individual has to take a step back and say that was a dream opportunity i got paid well for a certain amount of time but now it's time to come back to reality and the reality is this is what the market says is the right um, compensation for that role and then they need to get a career coach <laughs> so that they can develop their career and develop their resume to be worth it again. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> and also, Anissa, as we were having a conversation, there was another point that you brought up in which the cost of hiring a bat, someone who's not a good fit, and then letting them go might be all the more expensive than leaving a position open. At the same time, how does this pan out for retaining talent versus hiring new talent when we're seeing so many resignations left, right, and center? Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure I understand your question. Tell me your uh, question again. Sure. So does it make sense to retain talent over hiring new ones? And how exactly is, does this work? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really essential to understand what a company's turnover rate is. And, and I think it's a mistake, truly, to say, oh, the average turnover rate in my industry, let's say you're talking, um, you know, the finance industry, the average turnover rate in banking is X, or the average turnover rate in biotechnology is Y, and we are under that by two points, or we are only 5% over. And, and I, I don't mean to make fun of that. I think that's a good benchmark. Um, but at the same time, we also have to look at the outliers. In every industry, there are companies who magically are have better retention rates right and and a company that says well we're only two points over the industry average as if it's an industry issue is not facing the truth that it is a cultural issue and i believe that there's it's important to both have a very well-formed um uh, assertive hiring process and strategy and, 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 and candidate assessment and recruiting, right? That's an important piece of it, but it's got to be balanced by that employee retention strategy. And there are best practices to employee retention that look very different from just throw money at them. While, although that's important, it looks like um, do the employees that you want to retain, have, have they told you that they hate their managers in so many words. Do you have um, a way to uh, seek out employee voice through 
surveys and through conversations and through performance feedback? Do they know what their career and their future looks like at your company? Do you have, does the company have a well-formed performance management process? I'm not talking annual reviews here. I'm talking performance management. Do the managers meet with their direct reports at least once a week to talk about performance? not the next initiative, not what's coming up in the pipeline, their performance, what they need to do, what they need to continue doing because it's bringing value to the company and it's appreciated, what they need to stop doing because it's, it, it's not going to help their career and what they need to start doing instead. Those are performance conversations that every manager needs to make time for. And most companies don't spend enough time developing these retention strategies, listening to your employees, developing your managers so people don't want to leave your managers. <laughs> Number three, developing your leaders so that there is, is um, a vision and a mission that people want to follow um, and then developing those performance management skills and career management skills so that people feel like they're a part of a longer pathway in their career and a bigger mission with the company. People don't leave the organization, they leave the managers. <laughs> exactly right. Right, right, right. Got it. In over our conversation, we spoke a lot of times this thing came up, Anissa, in which so a lot of companies are not able to combat the situation. What should they be proactively doing now that they know this is happening? What should they, what are some measures they should proactively be taking to combat this? So if, if we're talking about employee retention, because I think that's a, mm -hmm. a really that that also means finding um, the those who are about to leave and doing it quickly so that they're not surprised. I can't believe so-and-so left. And uh, we just had a, a client um, CFO left and with him, he took the controller and four or five of their primary uh, expert accountants. So they're in almost their entire <laughs> leadership and uh, key uh, performers in their accounting and uh, their finance division um, left. And it came as this big shock to them. But here's the truth. There was discord, disconnection, and dissatisfaction in the ranks in that department for over a year. And I don't know how long before a year there was some signs that they didn't pay attention to, but I know for a fact it was over a year. The reason I'm bringing that story up is because companies, the first thing they need to do is start um, listening to their employees, asking them specifically 360 feedback um, on their managers. Really, really important. Um, then resolving the issues as quickly as possible related to what employees say. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, with our uh, technology, um, we are working with a large hospital system. And um, one of the issues that came up was simply that um, the, the night nurses didn't always had stale food in the snack room. So the, the nurses in the day got the good stuff, right? They got the fresh baked goods, they got the good stuff. But the night nurse, you know, they're stuck with the leftovers and the hand-me-downs, right? So there was this um, theme that not just one or two or a handful, but many were like, you know, what are we, chopped liver? 
Why the heck don't we get the same level of attention and support that our day managers do? Such an easy thing to fix. The company fixed that issue and suddenly engagement lifted, right? And, 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 and that goes a long way towards retention. But the complaint had been there for maybe, I don't know, years. You know, it, it's a longstanding issue. I think management doesn't look at these uh, small items as weighing on whether or not an employee stays or goes, but it does. And so number one, fix the small issues. Fix the small things that you can fix that are low-hanging fruit. And, and you do that by listening to your employees and identifying what can we fix immediately. And I'm not talking do a survey and then six months, eight months, a year down the road, oh, we should bring fresh baked goods. No, we're talking get it and make it happen as part of your strategy. The second thing I would say that they, they need to start doing is, is looking for the signs that management or the management culture, or the style of leadership is disconnecting employees from wanting to be, come to work. Um, uh, and, and that means get your managers and your leaders, the competency and the leadership and the management and the interpersonal skill development they need to be good at their job, which is retaining employees, not just getting work done through others, but building a culture of, of respect and a culture of compassion and a culture of, of communication. And a culture of diversity. It's really important that people feel like they can be themselves and they belong. That's a manager's responsibility right now. The, the third and final thing that, um, and these are not in the right order. I would start with this number three first. Number three is do a network analysis. Find out who are your nascent champions of change that, that can spread the word. This is a great place to be, give them the support and the career development they need to continue being an advocate for the company. Using that same methodology, find out who has one foot out the door because they don't feel like they belong in the first place. Um, and once you have that data, then you can target your solutions to the people who need it most that are also your highest performers that you just don't want to lose. That 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 was some incredible, incredible stuff out there. Just so many things that you can actually act on right away. Thank you so much, Anisa. That, that was that was brilliant because hey, it it it's such, I mean, I'm I'm still those are such small things that we can actually do that goes that that really makes a difference, doesn't it? I, I was taken aback by that story for a second there. I agree. And, and I'm seeing so many of those. And, and here's the truth, right? We're all busy. Uh, we're all busy working with our with our operational responsibilities. Uh, and we forget that, oh, is now. And you know, we've been meaning to, to get uh, operations to fix that, right? Facility to fix that. And it hasn't. We have another client um, uh, who Ooh, there's some safety issues. There was a hole in the sidewalk that didn't get fixed for weeks, right? Those things impact how an employee feels valued or not. So fix the little things and make it a proactive work on it and communicate. Hey, we've heard you. We're sorry we haven't uh, already fixed it. Our bad. We're on it. And do, do that to the best of your ability immediately. Then look at the longer term strategy of 
what do we got to do to just simply cultivate a better culture here where people are excited to get out of bed and come to work every day? Love that. Love that. So many wonderful points that we've discussed throughout, Anissa. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. But hey, before we wrap up, is there anything that we did not cover? Or is there, say, this is one thing that I want to leave you all with? What will that be? Yeah, so first I want to say, even though I've talked a lot about technology and coaching and what have you, there's not really a one-size-fits-all that works for every company. Um, I also know that some small companies think they can't afford uh, you know, a technology solutions. And there are solutions out there that are affordable. There are internal ways in which a company can bring forth the best practices. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to help organizations. That's kind of what I do and what my team does. If I'm not the right fit, I probably have someone on my team uh, that is. Um, and, uh, but I think we kind of covered, you know, the best practices in uh, proactively hire the best the right way the first time and proactively cultivate a culture where people want to come to work. Fantastic. Thank you, Anissa. And I'm sure all of us have a bunch of questions for you. Where can we find you after this? So you bet. So my website is turnkeycoachingsolutions.com. Um, at any time, a person can go there and click on a button and schedule a meeting. It's pretty easy. Um, but you can also uh, send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at turnkeycoachingsolutions.com. Um, my uh, team monitors that, and uh, we can get you to the right person at the right time uh, to support your organizational goals. Perfect. Thank you, Anissa. Again, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation again. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. Me too.